It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST, and right here for the Locked On LSU podcast. Tigers fall game one in College Station. We'll get to that recap in a bit, and we'll preview games two and three. But on Thursday's episode, we let you hear from Ryan Clark about Major Burns, a new addition to the LSU defense for 2021 Today, we chat with Brad Sinkiff, who has covered the Clemson Tigers in both print and radio for years now, and I wanted to talk to him about Mike Jones, the other big defensive transfer that LSU landed, as Mike Jones is expected to be a day-one starter at LSU, and some are projecting him even as a first-round draft pick in the 2022 draft. So, chatted with Brad Sinkiff, and we started by asking about Mike Jones, the player. As a player, Mike Jones very uh, instinctual, uh, great coverage guy. I think that's kind of where he made his uh, mark at Clemson. So good at just reading and reacting in, in the passing game and, and understanding the concepts of, of what slot receivers are doing and tight ends. He can really cover about anybody out there. Um, and obviously you don't want to play on the outside. He's, he's still a linebacker at heart. But very versatile, uh, good speed, can, can really you know, kind of uh, ball hawk, if you will, and that's just not something you see at a, at a lot of linebackers uh, or in a lot of linebackers. The ability to really go after it, and as you know, the NFL is transitioning, you know, much more into that kind of hybrid linebacker role. And so, I think that's why he's going to be so coveted at the next level. And I, I think personally, he's going to thrive at LSU. I think he'll thrive in that scheme. Uh, you know, LSU is going to be multiple; they can move him around. Playing in a couple different positions, and so I think he's he's got an opportunity to be one of those guys people are talking about in the in the first round once the twenty twenty two draft rolls around. So, Brad, there's a very obvious question, which we'll get to here in a second. Uh, but let's start with how did his time at Clemson go? I thought it went great. Uh, he's a young man who earned his degree. That first and foremost, Dabo Sweeney has no problem with with his players leaving Clemson. If they want another opportunity, if they have their degree, he, he understands it. Uh, he, he gives them that, you know, that sort of blessing, if you will. Not that they necessarily need it, but he, he has no problem telling a guy, hey, you did what you came to do, you got your degree, now your future's up to you. And Mike Williams did that, and he represented the program as well as anybody. This time last year when, you know, Black Lives Matter movement was going on and there was a on-campus protest, you know, Mike Jones stepped to the forefront. It was, it was a peaceful protest. It was one of the, the organizers, you know, one with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he, he was just sort of a, one of the spokesmen for it, and he had no trouble going in front of the media and discussing why it was important to him. I thought he has a great perspective on life, on football. Just a really well-rounded young man. He's got a lot of interest in life, not just football. Uh, he, he really cares about others, his teammates, his coaches. He's a really quality person, and anytime you bring that into your program, you get an instant boost, and I, I don't think there's anything about one single negative thing I can say about Mike about Mike Jones the person. Uh, just based on the you know the three years I was around him, I, I think he did a tremendous job representing himself at the school. 
Uh, Brad Sinkiv is our guest on Twitter at Brad Sinkiv, S-E-N-K-I-W, uh, editor at allclemson.com, 105.5 The Roar as well. Okay, so Brad, here's the doozy that everybody is really wanting to know. Projected first-round draft pick, pro football focus, rates him as a top-five returning linebacker in all of college football, great guy on and off the field. Why do you leave Clemson? It's a great question. Uh, <laughs> to me, there's still not a... a 100% clear answer. Uh, Dabo Sweeney said it was because he, he thinks that, that Mike wants to be more in the box and not necessarily as much of a, of a rover and a hybrid. Uh, I think he wants to showcase all of his skills to the NFL. I think he wants to have an opportunity to play more inside a little bit, you know, if need be, and, and, you know, blitz the guy. I, I think back to some of those, the, the, that 2019 LSU defense and, how aggressive those linebackers were, and how multiple LSU's team was because of that. And Clemson just never allowed him to be like that. He was not a guy who was playing near the line of scrimmage very often. He didn't blitz a whole lot. They didn't ask him to do that. They had other linebackers they felt were better at it. And Mike was so good at pass coverage. I think Brent Venables just wanted him out there. You know, Isaiah Simmons, that's who he took over for. He was a first-round pick. He was a guy who really played every position. You know, defensive line, linebacker, safety, wherever they needed him. Mike wasn't quite that versatile, but he was so good at pass coverage. I think Brent Venables had decided that's what he was going to do. And I think Mike wants to try to showcase some of his other skill sets to really propel him uh, to the next level. And I totally get that and understand it mm-hmm. if that's the reasoning. Brett, are, are Clemson fans – how did Clemson fans react to the news with, um, with Mike Levy? Shot. Uh, very shocked. Not not because necessarily that he left. They, they felt like he wasn't at Clemson long enough, you know, truly, you know, make his mark. I mean, he, he didn't play pretty much at all. Redshirted, and then you know, the second year he played a little bit in the reserve room. Last year, really kind of broke out in that you know uh, Isaiah Simmons type of role. So they wanted to see more out of him. They wanted to see the next step. But I think they were a little surprised when he made the decision and. And, you know, Clemson's not a school, Matt, that a lot of people leave. It, it's not a high-transfer rate uh, program. And so Clemson fans are having to adjust kind of this new era where sometimes guys are leaving for other reasons than they're unhappy. You know, it's, it, it's a whole new world in, in transfer. So I, I think it's taking some adjustment, but it certainly caught people by surprise. It caught me by surprise because I, I really just thought he was a guy uh, who fit Clemson from a from – a, football and a personal standpoint so well. Brad, before you go, and you did sort of allude to this a little bit already, but um, maybe to put a bow on it, how do you think, given what you see outside looking in with LSU's defense, how do you think Mike Jones fits in as a guy that very likely is going to be a day one impact player, if not starter day one? Yeah, I think he will be. I don't, well, one, I don't think he's transferred to, to be a reserve. And, you know, he, to be honest with you, the role that he kind of wanted to play They've already got somebody to do that by the name of Trenton Simpson. And he, he's a young up-and-comer who I think is going to have problems on a breakout type season this year. So Mike sees an opportunity, I think, at LSU to go in and play right away. And I think he will. And, again, the, the, the different lines, the different schemes, the things that LSU want to done I, or wants to do, I think Mike can do all of those things. You know, I don't know if he's the best playing up near the line of scrimmage because he didn't get a chance to showcase that a lot of Clemson. And he, but he's got the speed. I, I, I really think he's going to fit in well. He's going to bring some energy to that defense. He certainly did that at Clemson. So I think he's 
Sounds very promising. Some of the new additions to the LSU defense are not so promising for the LSU baseball Tigers after their loss on Thursday night. We'll recap that and look ahead when we come back. We're brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. The NBA playoffs underway. You can bet on all of your NBA playoff action at BetOnline.ag. Maybe Major League Baseball is your game. Get to betonline.ag. Bet on all 162 future bets, prop bets, first five. It's all there for you at betonline.ag. Hockey playoffs, of course, horse racing, MMA. It's all there at betonline.ag. It's safe, secure, easy to use. Betonline.ag has been around for 20 years. I've used them since 2010. Betonline.ag. It is free to sign up. When you make your first deposit of funds, use the code Locked On. One word, Locked On and get a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at kubotaorangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Absolutely horrendous loss for LSU in Game 1 of the series against Texas A&M. Aggies win it 2-1. to one. And if you listened to this show yesterday, if you listen to my radio show after further review, or basically any content that I put out anywhere, I have said all this week, that A&M is not a very good offensive team. They have one guy. One guy that you cannot allow to beat you. One guy who leads their team with 18 homers, who leads the team, leads the SEC in total bases and slugging percentage. First baseman Will Frizzell is the guy. The one guy that you can't let beat you. Yet, in a one-to-one tie in the bottom of the eighth inning with Javen Coleman on the mound, he serves up a meatball to Will Frizzell, who yanks it over the left field wall, actually off the scoreboard, and LSU loses the game 2-1. to one. There's a lot of things we could talk about with this ball game, and LSU had a lot of bad luck. There is no question about it. Landon Marceau was not feeling well. As a matter of fact, we'll let you hear from Marceau in just a quick second. You only get four innings out of Landon Marceau. Giovanni DiGiacomo pulls a hamstring. So Drew Bianco goes to center. Collier Cranford has to go to second. Cranford commits two errors. Bianco collides with Gavin Dugas. Dugas has a rib injury. He's out. So now you're missing two-thirds of your starting outfield. You have to a replacement at second base. Your starting pitcher only goes four. LSU had a lot of bad luck, no doubt. But you were still in a position after Javen Coleman pitched very well to get you into the eighth inning at a 1-1 a ball game after Dylan Cruz homered in the sixth to where you were in a great position to win this ball game. The only thing you couldn't let happen is exactly what happened. Landon Marceau faced Will Frizzell twice. Will Frizzell saw eight pitches, all balls, two walks. Why? You don't let the only hitter on the team beat you, yet that's what LSU did. It is absolutely inexcusable. I would also say 
LSU's offense cobbling together just two hits in the ball game is also nauseating. You were going against a pitcher in Drew Signs who had an ERA around five, and you did absolutely nothing against him. You made him look like Asa Lacy. Signs went eight innings, eight strikeouts, one run, two walks, absolutely brutal offensive day for LSU when they had to have it. Essentially, every decision Paul Maneri made in this ball game came up snake eyes. He shuffled the order, moving to Giacomo down. That didn't work. The Giacomo was 0 for 1, of course, and pulled his hamstring. You moved uh, Drew Bianco up in the lineup, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. He's better in the bottom third of the order. That's not even a question. You decide to go call your Cranford after uh, DiGiacomo was out. When you move Bianco to center, you put Cranford at second. He commits two errors and goes 0 for 1 at the plate, over 2 at the plate with a strikeout. Everything you, When Dugas got hurt, you put Brody Drost or Brody Drost in left field, 0 for 2 with a strikeout, including one with the bases loaded where he didn't even take the bat off his shoulders. A disgusting performance all the way around. Disgusting by Paul Maneri. Disgusting by the players who were lifeless in this ball game when you absolutely had to have it. That's one of those where you look back and you wonder, did the fans and people who follow this program actually care more than the players and coaches? And that is a terrible feeling. Now, there was a lot of misfortune, as I mentioned. Here was Landon Marceau on why he was pulled early. You know, coming into today, uh, my work week has been great. You know, felt great. And then I came into today and just, you know, it didn't feel feel great. Didn't feel real strong. And, um, you know, coach asked me how I felt and I told him that. And, you know, he decided, hey, let's uh, let's shut it down and not push it too much. You know, so it was a it was a judgment call. You know, everything's fine. I'm healthy. Nothing hurts. You know, just just some fatigue that, you know, my body's going through right now. And, you know, so, you know, but that's it. It was just a judgment call. That's good news as far as the prognosis not being any long-term thing, just a little bit of an illness, but it obviously came at a terrible time for this team when they desperately need to win. Now, what about Duga and Gio? Of course, Dugas uh, collided with Bianco and Gio uh, came up limp, um, limping, heading toward first base. Gavin Dugas, his parents took him to the emergency room, and they're, they're going to x-ray his ribs to see if there's anything broken. We won't know anything about the status until after that. DiGiacomo pulled a hamstring, so I'm assuming he's out. So no Geo and likely no Gavin Dugas tonight with your season on the line. We'll take a look at the rest of the weekend in just a second. Got to remind you about Built Bar and BuiltBar.com, the best tasting protein bar in the world, Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. Find your favorite flavor uh, when you get the – the special releases like the Coconut Brownie Chunk, which won our Built Bar Bracket Challenge, by the way. Order them because it's a delectable treat, but they all are, as a matter of fact. If it's cherry or raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, the double chocolate, or the salted caramel, find your favorite flavor. Low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, perfect for keto. They're gluten-free. It's Built Bar. Order yours today at BuiltBar.com. Use the code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, to save 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. The best tasting protein bar in the world is Built Bar. Order yours at BuiltBar.com. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. After Thursday night's loss, LSU dropped to 25 in the RPI, so that's three spots down. Uh, Remember, before the Northwestern State game, they were 18. They dropped four spots after that loss, now three spots after the loss to Texas A&M. So LSU's at 25, which I will remind you is still very strong. That's going to be plenty good enough to get you into regional play. The problem is if you lose another game, you're going to lose this series, and you will only be able to max out at 12 regular season SEC wins. And if that's the case, it doesn't matter what your RPI is because LSU is not getting into regionals at 12 and 18 in the conference. They would need to play literally into the weekend in Hoover, meaning winning Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, four games in four days, getting into the weekend, which would put you at 16 conference wins. Remember, the committee will look at all wins against SEC teams. So while it wouldn't be a regular season record, it would take something like that for LSU to be able to punch a ticket to regionals if they end up losing this series. So there has to be urgency tonight. LSU has got to play tonight like their season is on the line. Similarly, A&M is in a similar spot as we talked about. Texas A&M came into this weekend tied with Auburn in the standings. Auburn, by virtue of their series win, holds the tiebreaker over Texas A&M. Both Auburn and Texas A&M won last night. So A&M needs to win its next two games and have Auburn lose one of the next two games to have a shot at making it to the SEC tournament. If not, A&M season ends. So There are two teams playing that should be playing with a lot of desperation tonight. Of course, LSU has a big advantage with A.J. Labus and Mikhail Hilliard being able to start the next two days, whereas A&M does not have starting pitchers. They have been TBA, as we found out from Scott Clendenin of the Texas A&M radio broadcast uh, on Thursday, that A&M did not have a starting pitcher record a decision Since April the 1st, it's been almost two months until last night when Drew Sines beat LSU. So you still have a decided advantage on the mound because you have guys that can start. You still have a better offense than does Texas A&M, who, again, has one guy that can beat you. So don't let that one guy beat you tonight or on Saturday. LSU needs great performances from A.J. Labus and from Mikhail Hilliard. A couple of guys who have been around campus for four years who are in big spots, and if they want to play in the postseason in their final year in Baton Rouge, they both need great performances tonight and on Saturday to get LSU over the hump, to get the 13 conference wins, to seal the deal and send this team to regional play. They got two games left in the regular season, and they got to win them both. If they come up short, it is going to take a plum miracle in Hoover for LSU to be able to get into regional play. So it's that cut and dry. LSU's got to win tonight and on Saturday if they want to play in regionals. 
We'll see if they can do it. You know we'll be back here on Monday talking about it. Until then, it is Locked on LSU, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 